You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. It's been a bit of a hiatus, but we're back. Hey, love the energy. Back, back, my back, back, back. Yeah, so it is the fourth week of September. School has started. We've got our kids going in person. And we, you think, you think that that would free up time for us. I've got but mine working in the coal mines. They're, they're, they're making three cents an hour. That's right. I, I, we told the kid... school we were homeschooling this year. <laughs> That's right. And boy, the lesson they're learning. Yeah. <laughs> I always threaten to my kids that I'm going to be uh, selling them to Mexican silver miners. <laughs> And I don't know why Mexican silver miners, other than that's the thing that my parents threatened me with. That so. could be Mongolian copper miners. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> It was always the circus. <laughs> now that Bartim and Bailey has like broken up, I'm like, so no circus coming to town, huh? Dang. No circus, yeah. Ooh. No more shoveling elephant poop for you, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> well, how you guys been? Busy. Yeah. School and yeah, all the kids and all that jazz. Same, same yeah. old, same old. Just yeah, counting down the days to retirement. <laughs> Ain't that got another true. thirty-five years, <laughs> right? TikTok, TikTok. <laughs> You're gonna be like a hundred when you retire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, we've got an interesting show for you. Today, uh, the title of this is Games We've Always Wanted to Play. So we've got a list of games, each of us, of games that we have wanted to try and, and, and dig into. So uh, I'm excited for this conversation because, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know if I've got a huge bucket list. You guys have way more games than I do, and maybe that's because you you know, uh, are, are more into what's out there. But we'll see. To begin... Let's go geek. You're gonna Jason. you're gonna think of them while we're talking. I will. Be like, oh yeah, what about that one and that totally, one? Totally, totally, totally. Jason, how was your geek week? You know, it was fun. I finished. I finally went back and I got a buddy who I played this with, and I finished Dark Souls three like completely. Like, oh. did, played all the DLC, uh, beat all the bosses, like all the secret stuff. You know, like the optional bosses and and everything. Really. Nice. Really great series. I've talked about it multiple times. I love it. The Looking forward to the new series. Oh, by the way, it was the end of the Dark Souls franchise for sure. Oh, uh, but the, okay. But the uh, the director guy, and I don't remember his, how to say his name, uh, they're starting a new series called Elden Sign. Uh, oh, I heard about that. Actually, it's, it's Elden Ring, I think. Elden Ring. Maybe. I don't, I'm getting it wrong right here on the spot. But anyways, yeah. So, looks fun. Uh, looks a lot like, you know, his standard games. Dark Souls, Blood, Demon Souls, Bloodborne. Uh, I don't know how to say the... I don't know how to say the... Um, the Samurai Run Sacra or Seika. Anyways. Uh, this one uh, looks like it, it, it adds mounts, though. Which, which looks like it could be fun. You know? Uh, mounted combat on horses and stuff. So that'll be interesting to see how he does that and and keeps kind of like that Souls feel uh, to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, after I finished Dark Souls 3, I was kind of having a kick for that style of game, and so I decided I was going to boot back up a game that I never finished, uh, which was a clone, a Souls clone called Lords of the Fallen. Okay. This is like a... I've had, I downloaded that game. Yeah, it's like a 2012 or 2014 is when it was first released. I can't remember which one. I think it was 2014, but... Uh, um, 
it it is um it's like dark souls uh so the concepts are the same right if you if you die you have to run back to get your stuff yeah. um the enemies all have unique moves so you have to learn like every enemy itself uh, the combat is uh this you know the combat is unforgiving um but you can do stuff like parry and and, and roll and dodge and stuff there's you know a couple different classes what i what i do think what i do think is interesting about it is um they tweaked it a little bit so in dark souls if you died right you have to run back to pick up all your souls basically all the, the in-game currency gets dropped at the spot you died at yeah. And if you die again before you get there, they're gone. Like you have right. to go get them so you can lose kind of everything. In this game, there's a time uh there's a um I think there's a timer. So if you wait too long, they start to diminish. Oh. So you kind of really have to get back there and get them quick. Yeah. Um which is kind of cool. Uh and another game that did that is The Surge, which is like a sci-fi Souls game which I really love. The The Surge and The Surge 2. But Lords of the Fallen is is a heavy fantasy game. Um, I'll say, have you ever played um, Darkstalkers? Uh, not, not me. Not Dark Darks Darkstalkers. Too many games I've been messing around with lately. Um, okay. Well, anyway, so it's like a Dark Souls, but um, the characters are bigger and they're more kind of hero. Like everything's kind of hero scale. Okay. Like you think like minis, you know, there's 28 millimeter Dark minis. Darksiders. Darksiders. That's what I meant. That's what I meant okay, to say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, and Darksiders like your character is kind of like a hero scale yeah, character, right? Yeah. Like kind of big, bulky, the armor is huge. Well, it's the same in this game, like everything is gigantic. Even yeah. you. So it's but uh it's it's an interesting story. I'm playing it through. I'm gonna see I've never been able to finish it. I always get to a point and I kinda get bored with it, so I'm gonna see if I can push through this time and uh and uh and and progress in the story. But we'll see. It'll be fun. Either way, it was free. It was game for gold. I think I own yeah. it on like two different platforms, but was able. And if if you do have games for gold, you can download it. Uh, so have fun. Yeah, I um, I I played it a little bit. Thought that it was a mix between Dark Souls and For Honor. Uh, like the the gameplay felt a little bit like For Honor. Yeah, it has the pace of For Honor, like the speed of combat is like For Honor. Now, you know what sucks is I loved For Honor, but it just, For Honor broke itself because it never figured balance out. Yeah. But, man, such a great concept, For Honor. But that's a a topic for a different story. Yeah. Yep. 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 But, yeah, that was my Geek Week. Yeah, very good. Very good. Dan, tell us about your Geek Week. Yeah, just a couple of things. I mean, it's been so long since we recorded. Things have really backed up in the Geek Week pipe. Um, Game table update. So the light fixture that was in this basement was one of those kind of under a half sphere glass thing that fit two standard light bulbs, and it never put out enough light, even when I put 100-watt equivalent uh, bulbs in the fixture. So yeah. I went on Wayfair and got an eight light bulb fixture that's in a Sputnik shape. And I've plugged in eight um, uh, Wi-Fi lights that match the same system as the, my game table. Whoa. So now I can sync the colors between the LED oh, system in the game table to the lighting. And now, now I, when it's red alert, it's really red alert. <laughs> I, I literally have a Siri command program for that. That um, is awesome. Does yeah. it do the sound too? Like, burp? no, that would be sweet, but no, not yet, not yet. Come on, not get Siri yet. on that. I mean, come on, I just, I got like a Siri, fire the klaxons. 
<laughs> yeah, right? I, I have uh, set condition yellow throughout the ship, set condition red throughout the ship, submarine mode, light the candles. It's just fun. And uh, my wife thinks I'm completely ridiculous. I mean. But it's because okay. I'm completely ridiculous. That's pretty yeah. much it. So uh, Govy is the brand. Govy is the brand I'm using, and I kind of like it. And I'm getting a lot of, having a lot of fun with it. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned this or not. I also wired LED lights into every cubby as well. Those are not on the color sink. They're just basic white lights for folks to see what they've got in their cubby. Um, okay. uh, I completed my Armada collection and then I went through the list and realized I was one off and that made me really upset because I thought oh, no. I was so done with Armada forever. But that la- So essentially Atomic Mass Games, as we reported before, announced that they would stop making Armada stuff for this year, wink, wink, which means they don't have a pipeline of new products. They just basically pushed out what they let FFG push out what was in their pipeline. Yeah. So um, super irritated with Atomic Mass Games for that and for some other reasons. So I'm like, I'm just gonna buy everything that I don't have for the Rebel and Imperial factions and be done. I'm not buying Separatists or Republic factions. I'm not even bothering with that. I don't. I'm not a completist. I just want my stuff. And so I yeah. went and bought a whole bunch of extra ships. And some extra, you know, things that I needed for to help the game go smooth. But then I realized there was a fighter pack for the Rebels. That they there was an extra fighter pack that I had never gotten around to picking up. Because oh. games are not forever, people. They're not forever. And you're like, oh, I'll get that later. Sometimes you can't. Now, it is on eBay for 1.5 MSRP. And I can't bring myself to spend that kind of dough yeah. on 16 tiny little plastic space fighters <laughs> i can't drop 50 bucks on the smallest little ships you can imagine um yeah. because i've got plenty 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 of ships and i will get around to it when they do reprints if they do reprints i'll, I'll be uh, picking that up um one other quick thing for geek week that i didn't put on my list um um, my son for his birthday got into pokemon cards and we bought him some pokemon card packs and we sat down and we learned how to play the game. And hey, it was a, that's it was great. A, it was a decent game. You know, it was uh, done by Wizards of the Coast, so it has a lot of magic DNA in it. But I think it's it, it was complex enough that I was kind of enjoying it more than he was at the age of nine. He's like, can we be done now? <laughs> nice. After we built decks and figured out what the good strategies were and what we were doing. Um, so I, I, it's, there's actually a game that has some decent depth in there. It's not just about trading the cards. So, um, it was cool. So I, I did some little kid geek stuff and, and he and I got to use the game table and had a grand time. That's awesome. Your turn. That's very good. Very good. Uh, so my geek week, um, was highlighted by, well, I'll, I'll start with the boring part. Uh, I put together, I think I talked about putting together the, the Dominion box, right? The Games Workshop Dominion box. I had the Stormcast Eternals and all yeah. the Hobgoblins. Mm-hmm. My hobby table is now overrun by minis, like, everywhere. So <laughs> I said, I can't keep putting stuff together. I really need to start painting. So um, I grabbed, uh, I've got a Legion of Nagash, which is all skeletons and necromancers. 
um, army that uh, I pulled off the table or I pulled off the shelf and started painting. Almost done with those. I've got a Stormcast Eternals uh, one that I need to start painting as well. So I've got I, I'm getting back into painting mode away from building mode. Um, it's funny because some people love uh, just well. Some people don't like the hobby aspect of this game at all. Like, they'll pay people to build and paint and all that stuff. Some people really like the conversion aspect, you know, where you can, like, get green stuff and little model putties and make cool little pirate hats for each of your, you know, guys to wear. Uh, uh, Lincoln, who was on the show at one point, um, he made little cowboy hats for all of his little uh, Nurg- uh, Blight Kings. So they're walking around with cowboy hats. Oh, which is cute hilarious. little doggies. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, Where's your and, sweet spot? Where's You're talking about all the different ways people yeah. access so, the, the game. Where, where's your where's your magic zone? Yeah, there's some people who hate building, who hate painting. Um, I really get a, a, a kick out of building them. Like, there's a, the completionist aspect of my personality is really satisfied when there's no more bits on the sprue. And I can and I can throw it away, you know. I really nice. like that part. And you know what? It's easy for me to assemble and like watch a movie at the same time, you know. Um, yeah. And I'll and I'll assemble while like the family's watching a movie, and I'm like assembling and watching and stuff like that. So um, it's pretty good. Painting, I can still watch a movie in the background. It just takes a little bit more focus, you know. But um, uh, I, I I enjoy that part of it too. But are you doing yeah. that TV watching? in your man cave or are you doing it or are you doing the hobby mainly in the man cave or out and about with with the in in the general areas of the house where it doesn't look like you're being a hermit sometimes i will assemble upstairs where everybody's like on the couch and stuff like that and i've got a little table that i can pull in front of me it's like a little end table that i can pull in front of me and and uh assemble the stuff there um, the problem is they like the lights down a little bit low when they watch this thing. Yeah, and so it's yeah, really yeah. hard to paint that mm-hmm. way. So, uh, there's a TV in the hobby room here that I have. And I also have my laptop that sometimes I'll just set up and, um, uh, you know, usually I'll turn on a show that I'm binging in that moment that, um, I can, like, I watched a lot of supernatural that way. Right. You know what I mean? Where right. like I knew the characters and I could kind of listen half the time. You, you kind of knew where everything was going, so yep. you didn't have to be so invested. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, so, of, so I get a lot of assembly and painting done during uh, general conference weekend. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's like my favorite weekend now. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, 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 I get I'd be out in the wood done. shop, you know, with it in my headphones. Yeah. yeah, I get a ton done during that time. And you know what the best part is? Is um, I have uh, instituted the semi-annual art contest with my children and they, we have these like, uh, do you remember the living scriptures? Do you guys remember mm-hmm. those videos? Oh yeah. So, um, that we got a whole set of it and it came with a whole bunch of coloring books. We got these like 15 years ago. Right. And so we have a whole bunch of coloring books. And so they each choose a picture and they photocopy it. And their goal is during one session, maybe two is to color the best picture that they can. And there's prizes involved. Wow. Right. And so they are like hyper focused while listening to general conference. While I'm painting at my table, they're like doing their thing, and then we have the judging, and I've got prizes for them and stuff like that. Wow! Nice. So well done. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty good. Like their their skills have been like you can see the progress each year improving. It's kind of funny. 
So good team. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so but the the big one, the the thing that kicked off or, or that really um, put a highlight on my Geek Week was that I downloaded and began playing Diablo 2 Resurrected. Yep. Yep, which How is, is it? uh, it's good. I, I I think I said in our in our uh, group uh, in our Discord chat. Sorry, in our Discord chat, I've I had never actually played Diablo two before. Mm. So, so, what are your feelings having played Diablo three? Uh, I mean, Diablo three is way more polished, right? Um, and I think that the um skill system is way more flexible in Diablo three, you know, yeah. like, uh, and, and the abilities. And I think, I think it's a little bit more smooth, like it's much smoother. Now I say that because, you know, I mean, what Diablo three came out in what? 2011, 2012, something like that. It was in the 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, Diablo two came out like 2003, 2004, maybe, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they had almost a decade of... 2000. 2000? 2000 is when Diablo 2 came out. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah, an old game. I, I, I remember mean, Diablo 1 was like late 90s, right? Uh, I, I, I played it a little bit in graduate school. I was in graduate school in 2000. So so what's <laughs> funny is um, I remember contacting into this guy with my... Well, I, I, as a missionary... And my my missionary companion's like, all right, we're gonna go visit this guy. And we went over to his house, and all we did was watch him play Diablo two for like two hours. And like I was the new missionary, so I didn't know what was going on. You know what I mean? Uh, but I'm like, I'm like, uh, somebody's wasting time. Yeah. So I was like, this is cool and everything, but this room's starting to stink, and we should probably be outside. <laughs> like, you know. And uh, uh, but I realized now that that was Diablo two because it was definitely in the summer of 2000 that we had run into this guy yep. right fall of 2000 um so uh and that this makes a lot more sense like where he was so crazy about it but yeah diablo 3 was like 2010 2011 something like that and so you had like a whole decade of like you know game development and graphics and and all that stuff come out so you know i don't uh i don't judge a precursor by its predecessor you know um I don't think you can, but it's nice to see where it did evolve to, and I'm really excited for Diablo 4, which is supposed to be out next year, two years from now, maybe. We'll see what happens with Blizzard. There's a whole bunch of issues going on with Blizzard. I don't know if you guys had heard of that. Um, people quitting uh, and legal stuff and, yeah, not Typical good, not big good business things. stuff. Yeah, uh, but it's like you've had quittings en masse. You know, and so like World of Warcraft is like in peril right now, um, and yeah, you got oh, some other big lines. Yeah, no, right, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Alive and well. I remember when that first came out. I'm like, but I like regular Warcraft. What's this World of Warcraft crap? Oh, I don't want to get into that. I was a day zero World of Warcraft. Yeah. Yeah. I played yeah. the beta actually. I would have done it too if I had good internet, but we just did not. Yeah. You know, interesting World of Warcraft, right? Like they recently, well, not recently, but they, you know, they have the classic now that you can yep, play. The and vanilla. I think the vanilla. And they actually hired people who had been uh, creating, hacking and creating their own servers. The rumor is they ha hired people who had hacked the databases and were running their own servers to actually put together the classic again. Wow. 
Yeah, that's rumor. But uh, anyways, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, uh, you know, back in the day, there were lots of people who had pulled the, you know, the cab file, whatever, out and were running their own servers so you didn't have to pay and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, It was a great game during its time. It did a lot for the online RPG industry, um, but uh, it's kind of it's kind of old now. There's yeah. lots of other things to play. Just saying. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was uh, it was a good time. So, I I know I played it for a little while. I got to the point where my wife said, "You are banned from playing MMO RPGs." <laughs> and I said, well, we'll see about that. And then she really found out I kept playing it. And then I was really banned from playing MMORPGs. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. It got to the point where it was like neglecting serious commitments and duties. I think I think when I realized it was time to take a step back was when I actually left church early once for an expansion event that happened. <laughs> I like I got I got to go uh, I got to go home cuz there's an event scheduled to happen at uh you know 1300 Eastern. Right? I uh and I sat there and I was like what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I uh I knew I had a bit of a problem when I um had my wife go trudge through the snowstorm <laughs> to get our daughter some medicine. I remember you telling me because, about this. Because I was in the middle of a, a, a raid. A raid. It wasn't even a raid. It was like just a group <laughs> a small quest. small four-man dungeon? Oh, a yeah, group quest. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was a small one, right? That so would make she's like, you a bad person. <laughs> I know. I agree. Listen. And, I mean, my daughter's screaming bloody murder. She had a fever and all this stuff, you know. And, and my wife, like... My daughter must have been like, I don't know, three months old, maybe four months old. Oh no! So my my wife isn't like out of the uh, post-pregnancy stuff. And this is your yet. first, maybe our first. Right? Yep. Oh, yep. you're you're crazy. So it's like, yeah, I don't really feel like going. Do you want to go get it? And I'm, I was like, I'm in the middle of this. It's important. <laughs> <laughs> Those words yeah. literally came out of my mouth. She'll be fine. So yeah, yeah. So oh, listen, my. we're still married. Our daughter is now, you know, a teenager. So uh, it all worked out, and I don't play MMORPGs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> to thine own self be true. Know yourself. Yeah. Know yeah. yourself. I so. Look, I have an addictive personality. That's why I've never started them. Like, two Star Wars MMORPGs were hits, and I never yeah. played a single one. Um, I, I know myself well enough to just not. And I, you know, what's funny is I, I, I picked up this Star Wars MMORPG, right? Um, what was it called again? It was. Um, they had Star galaxies, Wars. and then they had the Old Republic. Yeah, it was Star Star Wars: uh, The Old Republic is the one I played, yeah. and it was a great game. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun! But I got to a point where I'm like, uh oh, it's happening again. All right, delete off the computer. Delete off the yeah. computer. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's there's something about. There's something about that little hit of dopamine that you get every minute. Yeah. That is very, very enticing. Yep. So anyway, but yeah, that was my geek week playing Diablo two. Um, it was a lot of fun. I played with uh, our buddy John for a little bit, uh, eager to play with other people, uh, on there. And, uh, I even created a hardcore character, which like, if you die, you're, if you die, you die. Um, and I died. So, like, oh. didn't didn't get that far, but you know what? Like, just messing around with some different different things and and having a good time with it. So, cool, cool, yeah. man, yeah, good times, good times. So, 
On to the news. Welcome to Tabletop and Beyond News. I'm your host, Dan Pomeroy. That was a good one. I'm trying, I'm trying to up my game. Yeah, I liked it. Speaking of cool things that are new in the universe, Star Wars Visions dropped. This is a... Um, how many episodes? A nine episode. That, well, they're they're nine separate mini movies. They are uh, somewhere between fifteen and twenty two minutes each. They're all done by different anime studios with different stories. They're not bound by canon. It's just a bunch of creative people going Star Wars. That's cool. How do how do uh, how can I blender that with my thing? Um, and some of them are quite good. I haven't watched them all. I've gotten over halfway through, and I really liked three out of the five that I watched um, I thought were pretty great and I still have four more to go um, they're, they're, where do you where do you find these they're on Disney plus okay hmm. and so they're you know paid for by Disney we've got you know great voice actors you know we've you know uh, Tamora Morrison who who was the clones is doing Boba Fett in in Tatooine Rhapsody we had uh, Allison Bree uh, from Community, and oh, the other guy, the other guy from uh, How I Met Your Mother. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, nice. We're okay. in the Twins, so they have some really nice voice talent to do it. That was not a one that I responded to the most. I liked the actors, but uh, I thought the duel, the first one. If you don't watch any of them, watch the duel. Okay, and if you go, okay. oh, that's pretty cool, then you're, you're good, I think. And I haven't seen them all, but the duel is is worth the price of admission as something that is straight up insanely cool. In my how uh, how long are these? They're fifteen to twenty minutes each. Very cool. Very good. Yeah, it Very just good. depends. It, it depends what each studio wanted to do. So, have on. you been have you been keeping up with the what ifs? Yes, I'm. I'm. I've done all the what ifs. There, they are good. There's some of them that are a little spotty, but once again, yeah. they bring back you know 80 percent of the original actors to voice them their own. Yep. The characters they do on screen. So there's some good things about it. Um, some of them are great, and some of them are meh. You know, yeah. and that's okay because there's a lot of them, right? Jason, have you right. been watching the what ifs? No, I am. Um, it's a Marvel out. thing. He's marveled yeah. out. I'm marveled out. He's marvel. So, so what I like about these though is you're going back to the original movies and saying like, what if this didn't happen, or what if this did happen? And I gotta say that my favorite one that they had was um, the one with Doctor Strange. Did that you... one, that one was intense. That one it was got good. dark. That was you know? super dark. Yeah, that and was, I was more like... horror than it was superhero horror. But it was great because it's like, what if Doctor Strange is like compulsive? behavior wasn't turned into becoming the master magician that he is but instead tried to go back and save his dead girlfriend over and over and over again and it like it took a turn where like i think my kids were like i don't know what to do with this and i'm like yes yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like that one a lot more than the zombie one i thought the zombie one was too (laughs) contrived the zombie one was fun. It, well, it was if you fun. like zombies and you like Marvel, yeah. it's a win. I mean, you're you're, yeah. you're in your zone. But for people who aren't like who don't really didn't watch, you know, Walking Dead, it was like, okay, can we be done with this now? Uh, let's, yeah. 
Um, but circling back to Star Wars real quick, the duel is really yeah, good. Sorry. I did like <laughs> the village bride. I thought I did not expect to like that, and I did like the ninth Jedi. And I've got the last four left to go. So I'll let you know what I think about the rest of them. Um, you should check them out if you're into Star Wars or sci-fi. Speaking of Star Wars, Atomic Mass Games changed some of the core mechanics of X-Wing. Oh, no way. Yeah, they're just flailing so badly, and they talked about it on Twitch, but there's no documentation yet. They haven't put out the the revised rule book, so we know there's these core mechanics changing. So they're kind of releasing a 2.5, because, you know, they, they did a major change when they went to x-wing 2.0 yeah and now they're just kind of like well we want to do it this way we want to do it that way they're killing the app used to be an app supported game they're just posting point changes online now and the app the app makers the guys who make their own apps they're always better than the one ffg had by a lot um they're having to translate that stuff into their apps um which is so not too yeah go ahead so um it's funny you mentioned apps. I'm going to like pivot just really quickly. Um, Warhammer uh, Age of Sigmar just came out with their new app mm. um, for their thing. And just like 40K, it has its issues when mm. it rolled out. And um, But overall, it's actually pretty good. I think they learned a lot of lessons about it. But, um, you know, this is one where people were using the um, web-based browser uh builder to make their lists yeah. and that worked for years and years and years because agency Mars app was like behind a paywall and um and then there was like the war scroll builder which was a terrible app for age of sigmar but it worked well for 40k but now you have this new app you do have to subscribe to it but you have access to the app and um it work it works pretty well so when you talked about apps and like other apps third-party apps working better it reminded me of the warhammer so yeah, yeah. There's, there's, uh, y- you've got to really commit to it. And when they move the app from one studio to the other to a studio that is not good at doing apps, like FFG is, I was like, well, first of all, their app was the worst one. Every all the aftermarket ones were always yeah. better. Um, so nonetheless, that is what it is. Um, well, and and the lesson and the lesson there is that if you don't provide a service, a key service or your service is lacking, others will fill the void and they will do a good job of it. Yeah. Like if you crowdsource it, it will work out well, you know? And so um, some of these companies, I've often wondered like, why don't you just let them do it? And I know why they want to make the money off of it. They want to control the content and stuff like that. But I mean, if there's a community out there, if you give them the information, they will set it up and run it. Right. And at their own expense. At their own expense. Yeah. And And, it's almost like, let them do it. And they're going to do it perfect. You hire a developer, you know, and if you didn't build in the right amount of Q&A in the contract, who knows how good it's going to be. It was so head scratching as to why the FFG app was always just really substandard. It was glitchy and it was heavy and it was just loading too much data. It was just poorly designed. Well, and all yeah. these other aftermarket apps were just running circles around it for speed and efficiency, but they didn't have the cool Lucas, you know, pictures. <laughs> right. Well, and here's the thing too, right? Uh, if you were able to just provide an API 
that has all your data in tables, right? All the data that you need in tables. And mm-hmm. you just provide the API out there that any developer can then like yeah, slurp it in. Do it. Just slurp it in and, and create their own app. Whoever's app sucks out there, you don't have to deal with it. Yeah. It's not your app. You don't have to get the blowback of being like, geez, FFG, what's this crap? Yeah. You know, Put like, out your own PDF for humans and then do an API for the robots. No big and deal. And then let them, let them design their apps and the best one will win and everybody will be happy. And then when you do your updates, you just update your data on the back end and the API automatically will pull it in. And if the developers need to make the changes, they can do it. You know, so I, I don't know. Like if I if I were a game developer, I would not be in the app business unless I really saw that there was a lot of money in it, which there might be. But I don't know. I don't know. Unless you're Warhammer. Like, I don't know if these communities are so big that you're making tons of money off of apps. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. It, it, there's some ga- it makes me worry about the games that are app dependent. Like, you know, we've talked about them before. Middle Earth. The new descent, the old descent, yeah. a couple others, yeah. but um, there's a difference between a studio that can do an app and a studio that can't. And when you hand a game over and then an app goes with it, and then the app dies because that other studio had never done an app before, put two right. and two together. Uh, in other news, Foundation is out on Apple TV Plus. I know you guys are not subscribers, but holy moly, two episodes in, it is really good. I'm watching it in Dolby. Atmos and Dolby Vision with all the HDR and it is gorgeous and the story is great and the sci-fi is great and the acting's insane. Lee Pace is the one of the three emperors, Brother Day, and he is crazy good. Um, Lee was Lee Pace was um, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy and in uh, Captain Marvel as Ronan the Accuser uh, and has Jared Harris who we know from. Um, the Expanse, uh, yep. and a bunch of other really great stuff. He is a fantastic actor. You know, um, I I was literally reading an article about him the other day about how he's the glue to a lot of these shows. And he's like the underrated actor mm. that everybody knows. No one can remember his name, but they're like, oh, this guy, and he's great. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, he is great. He was great in um, Fringe. You remember yeah. Fringe? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And he was he was good in that. He was great in Mad Men, mm. you know. So that's yeah. out of the genre, but he was yeah. great in Mad Men, and and so yeah, he's been in a bunch of this stuff where like the, again you said the Expanse and and it's really I good stuff. I believe he was on the first season of The Crown, which just won yep. a bunch of awards. So anyway, they paid they paid for exceptional acting, exceptional directing, and each one of these episodes is. F- feature film quality as far as art direction and and graphics and the whole nine yards so i know you guys are not apple uh tv plus people but when this thing finishes out and they get to episode whatever the 10 episode 10 uh i would highly recommend giving it a view and 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 view it on the biggest screen you have in the house Um, because it it the detail is crazy apple just threw so much money it's like it's like watching like a lord of the rings quality show you know but like the film it's just highly detailed and 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 i like everything about it and i've never read foundation so um, neither have i i'm kind of yeah. curious about it I, i'm I know just gonna watch the it. series then 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 go catch up in the books so uh another quick uh, totally aside but related about tv shows you guys saw the trailer for the wheel of time Yes, I did. 
Yep. It's cool. Coming out on Amazon Prime in December. So yeah. I'm very excited about that. Actually, it's in November. Um, very excited about that coming out. You just will hear the gigantic chorus of all the fans going, it wasn't exactly like the book. I know. <laughs> well, and I was I was uh, reading, reading some stuff about it, and they're taking a nonlinear approach in the first season to kind of help explain, like, who the Aes Sedai are and some like of the Like the Witcher did? Yeah. Jump yep. in the timeline. So, which, listen, you can do it well and you can do it badly. And uh, I've seen shows that have done it badly and made it very, very confusing. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. Oof. Well, let's keep rolling with the news. Yes, sir. The ORR group released their user statistics for Roll20 for the second quarter of 2021. D&D rose in the market share from 53 to 54%. Call of Cthulhu went from 11 to 16 Pathfinder 2nd E is 1 to 1.8. So you look at Oof. the different percentages. Now, I know this is Roll20, right? So this is people who use Roll20 to do their games. Right. But it's 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 a, it's kind of a, a self-serving population because Roll20 has optimized itself to D&D. And so yep. it, it kind of builds up. So Pathfinder's in there with about 3. Uh, or there's Uncategorized, which is 20%, which is the catch-all of every, every, cra- every piece of crap. Uh, Pathfinder is three four, yeah, exactly. Warhammer forty k is is got a percentage in there. World of Darkness, which is so, oh, you know that's got to be the RPG forty k, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so. This yeah. is the RPG stuff. So anyway, always interesting to see where the center of gravity is on um, who's playing what game. Getting hard data on who's playing what game is almost impossible, and that's one way to do it because it's attached to a digital platform. Well, you know, the, the other thing, too, is that folks will go to systems that have um, – they'll go to systems that have the things Support. optimized for their system, right? Yeah, D&D so Beyond. So, like, yeah. exactly. And so, um, you know, it's interesting that you see Call of Cthulhu here because what that means is that somebody went in, yep. they took the time, and they built up – Basically, a system within Roll20 that is optimized for Call of Cthulhu. So, Call of Cthulhu players can be like, okay, let's go and do this thing. Like, yep. it'll be perfect, you know? And so, um, I, you know, I wonder where, because I, I think Pathfinder probably has a broader playership than Call of Cthulhu in general. Yeah, you, would, so, you would feel that going to yeah. Gen Con. You go to Gen Con, oh, and yeah. you look at the real estate difference between D&D and Pathfinder, it's striking. Yeah, and so so I wonder where the Pathfinder ple- people are playing. Like that's kind yeah. of what I take away. Like, are they just doing it on their own? Are they do they have a? Are they going to like a what is that uh, battlegrounds or whatever? Yeah, who uh, knows? You know? Who knows? Or just so, Zoom? I mean, to yeah. be quite well, to be they're honest. not doing it on uh, Roll Twenty. Roll 20. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, see, now so. Roll Twenty is not the only game in town. You know, they've got all, right. all the other competing platforms. So. Yep. Uh, next up in the news, Asmodee is up for sale once again with a valuation Dan, of two, two billion euros, $2.35 billion US. The company, which is the second largest board game publisher in the world behind Hasbro, was previously bought by a Eurazio following an IPO, which was then sold to PAI Partners, both of which our investment firms, the sale will be administered by Goldman Sachs, 
the largest investment bank on the planet, the restricting process done by PAI Partners in, oh, the, the restricting process done by PAA partners involved the shuttering of Fantasy Flight Games' RPG department and transferring all of its titles, including Star Wars and Legend of the Five Rings, to Edge Studio. Um, uh-huh. Which, uh, you, if you guys are on our Discord, uh, we had a long conversation of, will Star Wars continue? Um, and I'm of the opinion it will probably get... try. I, I believe Wizards of the Coast will try to gobble that license up again once it becomes available in my opinion do you think that they would keep the narrative dice stuff no they'll throw it in the trash you think so yeah absolutely oh they will so fast well because they want to they want to link the product to D&D like they did last time and they want to leverage their D&D player base and they don't want to they don't want to teach a new system or learn the developers at Wizards of the Coast don't even want to learn new systems so we're gonna have a saga edition all over again. I I I am predicting that now. I'm predicting that now mm-hmm. that once that license goes up, that um, because it is not being cared for and treasured um, by by uh, uh, Atomic Mass Games, by Fantasy Flight, or by Asmodee, and they're gonna let it go. In my opinion, like, I think they're gonna let it go because Christian I- Peterson is gone. And he's the one who who staked the who, who grabbed it. So this is this is the insanity thing to me. Why buy something and let it go? Like that's the stupid. It's like I'm going to buy a Ferrari and let it rust out in my garage. Like, no. why? Yeah, like uh, yeah. It, it, well, it's because they have these investment partners, right? They have these. Yeah. Um, they have investment banks involved in this stuff, and Star Wars is the most well-known IP of probably any RPG. I know D&D is more well-known as an RPG, but it's not a more well-known IP. Right, um, I So agree. Uh, the cost of re-upping with Lucasfilm will be anywhere between $300,000 all the way up to half a million or maybe even a million bucks. And that, that is the debt you take on when you buy the license. Yeah. And then everything you sell, you're turning over 25% royalties or something along those lines. And you have to have really big cash on hand to compete for that kind of license, which Hasbro does. And because I think the RPG arm of Hasbro is the the, the big dog right now in the company. And they're going to say, hey, we are already making all these toys. Look at what else we can do. We have our own supply chain with China. We can print plastic. I, I really do think that um, if if... Asmodee does not hold on to the, does not go in debt to buy the license. And I don't think they want to be in any debt because they're trying to sell. Remember they're on the chopping block. They're not building new stuff out. Um, I I really do think um, Hasbro probably will likely Hasbro Watsy will probably put in a bid for it in my opinion, but that's just my opinion. That is not news. That is my opinion. Yeah. So interesting, right? Uh, When PAI partners bought, Asmodee, they did for about 1.2 billion euros, based mm-hmm. on my quick Google search. Yep. Uh, and so they bought it. They got rid of the Fantasy Flight part, transferring it to Edge Studios, and now they're selling it for two billion. Yeah. So yeah. they got rid of they they separated an IP and are still selling it for profit. Yeah. Yeah, and they're not. Well, they're an investment firm. They're just the, making money. The new products that have come out under. Uh, Atomic Mass Games, I can count on one hand the number of new products for all of the Star Wars stuff that they've only 
Uh, Atomic Mass Games has only put out one new product that wasn't repainting old models for X-Wing since they've gotten it. So they are doing the minimum possible investment. They're just reprinting the catalog and printing their own money. They're just printing their own money and 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 profit taking. So. Um, well, and I mean that's only you know th- in th- if they get their their valuation price in three years, they will have made eight hundred million euros. Yeah. Right. Right, and that's their whole purpose. Oh, that, minus expenses and all that. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, not bad for a three hundred thousand dollar license, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, plus plus the royalties are super steep. So, yeah. Um, anyway, that's what's going on there. Um, if you have two billion euros for lying around, just go buy, go buy Asmo Day and and hire me. I'll work. Right. I'll work real cheap, and we'll get this thing turned around. Huh. Yeah. Dan, I, I know how many of our listeners have 2 billion euros sitting around. Dan wants a new job. Absolutely. He told us this before the podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Why didn't I apply to be vice president of D&D last I know. year? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One more quick piece of news, and I won't run through all of the details on this piece of news, but Free RPG Day is coming out October 16th. So this this podcast needs to drop before October 16th so people can participate in all the free adventures that are coming out for Starfinder, for Pathfinder 2nd Edition, for uh, Warhammer Age of Sigmar Soulbound, letters some other ones, uh, Dark Tower, Star Trek Adventures, Dune, Call of Cthulhu, all sorts of things. We'll have free uh, adventures on free RPG day. It's nice. pretty great. So you can go to the, free, just Google free RPG, RPG day 2021. Um, Where do you get the games the, from? Like, is it going to be on like drive through RPG or something? Or it's designed for you to go into a game store, and and gotcha. they're, they're hoping you play in the store. That that's been one of the things in the past. I don't know what that means in in the era of COVID, um, but anyway, so you can go on to their website. You can plug in your 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 hometown and see which um, which game stores have um, have uh, have free RPGs to to show up to grab a module for free or to play for free has been the what they've done in the past it's one of the weird things that the rpg community has kept going and i think it's awesome so that's my two cents very cool that's the news and i'm not finishing my sentence okay that's all the news that's fit to print how do you like that one (laughs) all right uh Wow, we had a lot of news because we have not talked in a while. And I had a lot of tangents because I was reminded of a lot of news that we hadn't talked about in a while. <laughs> so <laughs> This is a brain dump show. You know what, though? It was good. We talked about a lot of good stuff. Uh, and I and I just remembered that I, I think I – did I tell you guys I went and saw the Green Knight the other day? No, you didn't tell us. How was yeah, it? Yeah, uh, this is another topic for another day. It was weird. Like, yeah. super weird. Like, weirder than I thought it was going to be, and I was expecting weird. But, you know, it, we'll, we'll, my wife and I walked out of the theater like, what did we just watch? But, you know, okay, it's cool. Good anyway, enough. let's get to the main topic. Main topic. Uh, so the main topic of the day is what games have we always wanted to try, but we just haven't yet? And that's either a combination of, like, ah, you didn't pull the trigger on the game, uh, maybe it was there at the game night, but everybody else wanted to play something different, or your buddies just couldn't find the time to slot it in at Gen Con, or you just haven't gotten around to try it. 
So um, we've got a lot of good games that we want to try. Oh my gosh, I just thought of one. Yes. Okay. I told you told me this was going to happen. Yes, that I was going to think of games, <laughs> right? So we just needed uh, to dust off your shelf. We just needed to turn right. your engine, and you're going. So, uh, Jason, we're going to start with you, buddy, because you've been a little quieter on the podcast tonight. That's okay. I'm a little sleepy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all good. Tannhauser is one that I had had on my radar for a really long time. This is a game that takes place in like an alternate World War II setting. It's like um, the war has been going on for like 30 years. Uh, it's another one of those games where you know the it involves the occult uh, and the Reich is using the occult. Uh, to try nice. to dominate the war this deep in. Um, and uh, there's some special portal area back in, you know, deep in Europe. And um, the Reich is deployed there, and you're deployed there too. Uh, and somebody's got to find the special, you know, relics and magics first to try to come out on top. And um, so it's a squad-based, I think, 2v2 game. I think you can play with more than two people, but I think originally it was a 2 one on one kind of game with your squads. And, um, but it's all, you know, like the art's very, like, kind of, you know, uh, occultish uh, themed for that kind of a time period in the war. And, and um, there's like weird, odd weapons and kind of magic items and stuff. And you basically, it's, it's a miniatures game. So there's a board that's like a, a kind of a, a special mansion and then outskirts outside the mansion. And you kind of, float around in the mansion uh trying to fight and find these things and so it's something i've always wanted to try it's totally out of print now um and in fact the first time i ever saw it on a shelf it was in french i think uh that's before you knew me yep before i knew you um and so i never actually saw uh, an english version on the shelves and i never picked it up now it's gone but that was something i was always interested in playing yeah me too i wish i wish i would have been more into minis gaming when i encountered it because i would have gotten i would have jumped on that i think yeah, yeah. So um, you played Reichbusters, which is a Mythic Games uh, game, um, and it has a very similar concept, right? Which is you're a team of a couple of people, and um, I mean that's more like Zombie Side meet. Yeah. So I never played that one. You played it. Uh, I wasn't. Oh, there that you didn't day. play with us? Yeah. Sure. Oh I man. I played Nemesis. Oh, that's right. So yeah, I played Reichbusters, which is basically like zombie side meets occultish nazis mm-hmm. um now they had these cards that you played with right that you had like actions that you could do that would be like free actions per turn um and each of the characters had more specialized things like one guy would make a lot of noise but he was just brutal right like could tear through a bunch of people and one guy was like a silent assassin so like you might want to use one over the other in certain situations you know um and so uh it was good i liked it better than zombie side but it played a lot like zombie side just with more enhancements and so i'm looking at the i'm looking at the description of this and i'm looking at the boards and i'm like i feel like that is a spiritual successor to tanhauser might have been yeah yeah cool. so if, if you can't find tanhauser try well, out you can find it you could you could just find it for a pretty penny right uh, Amazon's uh, two hundred dollars. Yeah, eBay is only eighty. Oh, there you go. And you can get it. It's not in, a bad price nowadays for that. You can get it in German for sixty euros. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I'm looking at Board Game Geek. Is that was my first at. one. 
And it was a uh, board game geek rating on this game. Jason is a 6.5 out of 10. Yes, sir. So, and it can support up to 10 players. Yeah, that but I think lot. it says it says the best is two because I think yeah. it was originally kind of a two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very good, very good. All right, Dan, what is your first one? Okay, Jason, uh, I'll start with my first one. I think Dan uh, had to go mute for a little bit. Dan had to go mute. Go ahead, you. Yep. Uh, you know, mine is actually the Starfinder RPG. Yeah, I've tried um, to play that a few times at uh, Gen Con, but never uh, been able to get into one. Okay, so th- that's that's what I was saying. It's like I remember they remember we were there when they rolled it out. Yeah, we tried like to get was, in line to do a, a like a two hour intro session. Yeah, and it just didn't work out for some reason. I don't remember yeah, what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think we showed up and it was like we had barely missed it. Oh, you know, yeah, you know, it was like the second series of the intros, and so they were like, "Did you guys play the first one?" And we were like, "No," and like, "Oh, this second one, you know, this we're doing the second uh, series now." That's right. And you're like, "Okay, like we've played RPGs before. Yeah, we we could jump. We could do this. this. We could do this. Like, it's not a big deal." You're like, "Well, we don't want to have to teach you all this stuff." I'm like, "Okay, okay, roll your characters up again." (laughs) Okay, so I think next time we go to Gen Con, I am going to try Starfinder. I'd like to Um, start. I'd like to try it. I've heard that it's um, that uh, it's you know it it has such a similar feel to your kind of typical. Uh, D20 game that like the mechanics are nothing special is what I've Interesting. heard. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I figured it was Pathfinder in space, which means it was D&D 3.5 in space. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, I mean, we'd see, but the thing is, is I'm like, I've always wanted to try it to actually see what it is. You know, I mean, I've got expectations of it in my brain and uh, I'd like to, I'd like I, to try it I, I played it and it reminded me of Star Wars Saga so much. When we sat down and played it, the GM was, uh, the Gen Con GM was bothered that I understood the rules and was min-maxing, because uh, I understood. <laughs> oh, the, well, this plus this equals this. I know how to start dialing the not the, the dials up and down. Yeah. And so it 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 reminded me so much of Star Wars Saga that it it was almost indistinguishable minus the IP. Interesting. Yeah. I could believe it. But I I, I I love that game. I had all the books and I GM'd it for a long time and oh, J- star wars J- saga star yeah, J- saga. yeah right. well and so there i don't have anything wrong with starfinder it's just i mean i've already yeah. sunk five years into that game kind in another there, way done that. Yeah. yeah yeah so yeah i'm i'm interested in in trying it out that's my that's my first one dan what's your first one uh i've always wanted to try the fate rpg system it's very okay. unique and different you have to write down mm-hmm. different things about your character on cards and there's plus and minus tokens and it's just kind of a very different way and it's very story driven um i've never had the opportunity to play i've never been with the group i've never been with a bunch of noobs but um i know that the fate system was heavily influential on the um uh the leverage television show that the guy who the one of the main writers of the show would, oh yeah would, okay. would use the fate system to kind of feel his way through different plot lines and stuff like that um and i really like that show and anyway there's dresden files and some other ips that are associated with fate i've always been i've always wanted to try it just because it's not a classic roll a die at a bonus or a roll two die right. and see what cancels what out which is what i usually do and it is, and I, you know, we play narrative dice with Genesis and Star Wars, 
this is like narrative dialed up to 13 and I've actually watched it on I've watched it on different, you know, uh, YouTube shows where you know you watch people play a game. You watch noobs yeah. learn a game and then you play through and um I've always been excited to try it out. So, um it's interesting you mentioned Dresden Files because there's a girl at work that her whole family has read the Dresden books. Right, um, that it's like Harry Dresden or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, Dresden, Dresden. Where do I know that name? And then I was like, oh, It's the Dresden Files. It's like an RPG game, right? And mm-hmm. she's like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Oh, that's cool. So I kind of had. I said, You know, I I gotta finish uh, this Brandon Sanderson book I'm working on. But after I'm done with that, I may burn through the Dresden books and yeah. then be interested in picking up the dresden files because yeah, you'll see them on uh the bundle of holdings yeah. quite a bit yeah yeah and i'm not familiar with that particular ip but um you know i some it, this thing is it's in its fourth edition um it's it's been used widely and it's kind of like an unexplored area on my map of gameness. Yeah. So what I understand from the Dresden files, by the way, is it's like um, Call of Cthulhu meets um, uh, Supernatural. Oh, cool, the series. cool, cool. Yeah, So yeah, it's yeah. like more modern, like, you know, like there's a normal world and then there's a lot of Supernatural stuff going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's like kind of 1930s detective is what sure. I understand, too. But I could be wrong. Anyway, so, yeah, very Sweet. cool. Very cool. All right, Jason, number two. Uh, number two, my number two, whoops, sorry, hold on, I just minimized my browser. Uh, my number two is Eclipse, mm. the board game, which is, if you look at Eclipse, it looks very much like a Twilight Imperium game, and it is a 4X space game. Okay. Um, okay. it is one, I think, that is more based on kind of building up your empire in terms of a fleet. Um, I never played it. It's a, from what I hear from uh, reading forums and things, that it is more euro based. Okay. Uh, in space, um, it's so it's something that uh, I've always been interested in. It's 2011, I think, is when it was originally released. It's once again another one of those games out of print. There's a reprint mm-hmm. that uh, happened recently, um, but uh, it's also was before I think I became aware of Twilight Imperium. So it was uh-huh. kind of one that I was really tracking for a long time, and then it kind of fell off my radar, and then Twilight Imperium came on. And that would have been on my list, but we've actually, I've actually played that a few times in the past yep. year and a half, yep. which is a, such a great game that I kind of am like, ah, oh, maybe, maybe I just won't try Eclipse. Because <laughs> Twilight Imperium kind of scratches that itch for me. <laughs> well, somebody's got to go buy the darn thing. So uh, it's got a 7.9 on board game geeks. Yeah, it was always a very popular game. Yeah. It had great ratings. And, and when you go to Gen Con... Every year I've gone to Gen Con, I've tried to jump into an Eclipse game. Yeah, no. Um, and it's always, there's only like, it's there's like it's the Eclipse tournament, and it's all three days, or it's like three solid days of Eclipse. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ooh, I don't, I don't know if I want to jump into that. There's probably a bunch of dudes who, you know, know each other and jump into that every year. But uh, anyways. Yeah. Something yeah, we'll tells see. me it's not fully in print right now because the prices that I'm seeing look very aftermarket. Oh, for the reprint? Aftermarket yeah. inflated. Um, oh, Eclipse itself is not in print, and there's a, a reprint. It's like Eclipse, a second uh, something, a new dawn or something. Yeah, or a new dawn, yeah, yeah something like that. But cool. Yep. Uh, my second game, it's kind of a twofer here. Um, it's going back to Games Workshop. I've always been interested in the Aeronautica Imperialis and the Adeptus Titanicus games, and these are skirmish games. The Aeronautica Imperialis is the um, planes. 
So, like, you will have orc planes versus, uh, you know, space marine planes or Eldar. And so the cool thing about this is it's skirmish, but you got different levels that you've... Or it's basically X-Wing in GW, right. you know. And um, we see but, that with multiple three, IPs. They'll do, yeah. they'll do little yeah. ships, big ships, big yep. armies, small squads. That's, that's a normal way to build out a brand. Yep. Um, and then the Adeptus Titanicus is basically a skirmish game, but it, they're the Titans. Now, when you buy a normal Games Workshop Titan, it's like two feet tall. Maybe not quite that tall. Like 18 inches tall. You know what I mean? Like, it is It's massive. really big. It's really big. And it's part of the um, fun of the game. It's almost, it's almost like, hey, can you get your uh, stuffed animal off the table? We're trying to play a game here. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? um, but these Adeptus Titanicus ones, like the models are only like maybe max four inches. And it's played on a, you know, like an 11 by 22 board type of thing. Oh, so, but so you've so changed you, the scale of the game. Yeah, exactly. And so you get the fun of painting these Titans and having like the Titan lore in 40 K is like all about like, they're kind of like night, like houses of knights. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, um, and so you've got like these things called Castellans and like, they've got like this lore behind them, um, which is really cool. And so you can paint your, things like knights of of yore you know and have them battle it out so there it's cool um it's very it's one i've always looking it totally is totally is yeah. and again it's it's one i wanted to try but it's not one i've wanted to invest in yeah because yeah, yeah. i've got my money in other gw enough of gw at this point but it's always like man I, if somebody had it i would love to sit down and play it with them sometime yeah. aeronautical imperials yeah. always reminded me of like wings of glory in the 40k yeah totally Totally, 100%. Hey, if it's sci-fi, I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> Who's got it? When are we playing it? Exactly. All right, Dan, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is the Champions. Now, I have technically played it a little bit in the earlier version. It doesn't count to play an RPG when, you know, you and your brother make a character and you do a practice encounter where you fight. Um, so I made a, you know, I probably was 13, 14. I made a Champions character that was pretty much a Superboy knockoff because I was that unoriginal. But I would really like to play that RPG, a superhero-based RPG, Champions. I liked the, this was the first system back in the day that had, like, advantages and disadvantages. Like, you could ah. make your character more powerful by taking on more weaknesses and stuff like that. And most RPGs were like, well, your numbers are X to level up your X plus one. And, right. and this had the, well, if you take on, you know, more weaknesses, if, you, if you're more vulnerable to different types of energy, you get more experience points to build out your character. And so um, I can't speak to any of the later versions of it. I'm sure they've probably taken some of that stuff into it but um i don't think we our group you know at least in the last you know 15 years we've been playing has ever done a superhero rpg and that would be the one i would kind of if i could just pick one off the shelf that's where i would yeah. start probably better than some of the other ips out there because like um for example let, let's take the witcher book that i got right everyone's gonna want to be a witcher yeah 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 yeah. you know what i yeah, mean yeah. with and marvel so... and dc you know, yeah. it's like oh, you, you, you sometimes you sometimes you want to play in the canon, and sometimes you're saddled with the canon. Exactly. So, it, it so I think with champions, you, you can have a little bit of fun with it. Yeah. You can mix it up a bit. Yeah, you can make it more right. like, you know, the TV show Heroes, where people are just, you know, superheroes are coming out of nowhere, or it could be yeah. more of a, you know, you, you've you've got a little bit more free range. 
So that would be awesome. that would be one. So technically, I did I did play an earlier version, but I've never sat down and done an adventure. Certainly never with a group. Nice, nice. All right, Jason, give us number three. So you'll see a theme here. My third one is Cosmic Encounter, which is another. Kind Wait, of space. I just want to be very clear here. This is not Alien Encounters. No, it is not. <laughs> no, it is not. Yes, I think you've been confused those before, but. Cosmic Encounter, um, you know, it's a it's a space empire expansion game. Again, the purpose of the game is to specifically uh, this one is focused on player com player uh, adversarial interactions. You are the person who wins the game is the first person to get kind of colonies put up in your opponents in any opponent system. You have to get five colonies in an opponent system, then you win nice. the game. But what's fun about it is when it's your turn, you get on offense. You take your stuff, you put it, you pick another player, you put your stuff in their system to try to colonize, and then a battle begins. But the it's all about negotiations and alliances. So once that happens, then both players who are involved turn to the other players at the table and start doing things like, you know, bartering and I'll give you this or I won't I won't go against you next nice. time if you help me here. And so basically the players can get people on their teams and stack them against each other uh, to resolve who wins that uh, specific turn. So it's it's a I, I've never played it. I've always wanted to. It's one of those games. I think that you've got to have a big group to yeah. really feel the sense of it. So you can kind of get people pitting, you know, teams against each other and then turning on each other the very next round, like that kind of kind of fun uh, adversarial behavior. But uh, I like it. Yeah, they have it on. Um, they have a pack on uh, Tabletop Simulator. Oh. Um. So maybe maybe sometime. But it would also be fun, I think, just to play around the table with a bunch of guys or girls. He just added yeah. it to my wish list. Uh, hey, there we go. And if and there awesome. has been there have been two prints. I think we're all, I think fi- uh, fantasy F- flight FFG, games. Yeah. yeah, they printed the latest one. I think. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. Um. I my my third one is actually sounding kind of similar. It's the game Diplomacy. Yes. Never um, played it either, is, and always wanted to. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a game, and it's a game that's been out forever, right? Like that game's been out for. I, oh man, I don't. Let me look real quick. But I, um, I think that game has been like since like the eighties. Oh, sorry, nineteen fifty nine. This game has been out. Yeah, right? no, it's it's um, it's old school. Good is what. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard, and. It, used to be on the shelf. I used to walk by it all the time in game stores, and I'm like, oh, I'll play that someday. Never bought it, never played it. That's a game where you got to have people like in it to win it, I think. You know what I mean? Like, you can't have a casual person jump in that game. Um, like, people have to go in knowing what they're playing. I think, I think it's similar to, like, um, Twilight Imperium. Like, you don't have to know the game, but you have to be committed to play the game. Yeah. Um, because yeah. it is like you are literally like doing all of your negotiations and backstabbing and you know underhanded underhanded stuff and maybe you're trying to be the good guy but um, it's a it's a game where you are representing one of the seven great powers of Europe you know Great Britain France Austria Hungary Germany Italy <laughs> Russia Turkey and uh, you know it's pre World War One so you're kind of finagling things and so. Um, I've always wanted to try this. Uh, I used to listen to um, Matt. Um, what's his name? Matt, not Matt Mercer. Matt uh, Duncan. No, he's the uh, one that does the running the game YouTube series on D and D, and oh. he started his own media company. Um, Matthew Colville. Cro- not 
Colville, Matt Colville. Thank you, Matt Colville. Um, he talked about how diplomacy absolutely shaped his D and D campaigns mm. because he learned under he he began to understand like player motivations and um, negotiations. So like they would help with like NPCs and negotiating mm-hmm. things, you know, and um, like just player interaction. Like how do you interact with the players? Uh, and he said it, it helped bring a lot of real world kind of uh, game theory and stuff like that to a lot of his uh, RPG. So it sounds like a great game. I don't know if it's one that you would like play all the time with your friends, but it sounds like I, 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 if somebody had this game, I'd be down to play with it. I think it definitely sounds like a type of game you would really get into. It also sounds like the type of game that you'd play it, and then everyone would be like, okay, we can't play that game if we're going to be friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's true. You have yeah. to go in, and before you start playing it, say, we're going to piss each other off, guys, and that's <laughs> yep. part of the fun. And if you don't get yep. fun, if, you, if, you, yeah. if that's not an entertaining evening for you, let's not play it. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Friendships have been lost over the game of diplomacy that I've been I've been told. But I'd love to yeah. play it, find out. So that one, the old version that I used to see on the shelves all the time, Amazon has it for 200 bucks. but they also have the new print, which is $22. So I did the $22 wow. in the old wish list. There you go. There you go. So, yeah. So, uh, Jason, when you were talking about kind of like, you know, negotiating with the Cosmic mm-hmm. Encounters, yeah. like it reminded me of diplomacy i love games that allow you to do that kind of stuff i I will say that i do also like games that say you know uh, bartering is not allowed because it it shows that they encountered that when playtesting and realized it broke the game yeah (laughs) they had to put it in the rules monopoly (laughs) is kind of like one of those right all right who's uh who's up next before 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 we got into, before we used to use uh, risk as a lightweight yep. diplomacy. Oh yeah, right? totally. So oh, there's yeah. a long yeah, time we'd that. be playing risk, and it was really about all right. Well, I'm down here in South America, and you've got Australia. Let's let's talk about you know what I'm going to do and what you're going to do, and yep. and we yep. don't we don't do that anymore because we've got better games to play. But that is that is. It was a light, light version. Listen, Risk was a Risk was a light version of a lot of things. It was yeah. a light version of Axis and Allies. Yeah. It was a light version of Diplomacy. Yeah. It was a light version of like Warhammer. If you think about it a yeah, little bit, a lot bit, of D sixes. I mean, what hits? What yeah. misses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it, it was a, that's a Risk is a critical game. One of those uh, critical games I think influenced a lot of other things. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. What's your number three, Dan? Um, I'd, I'd like to play just any, uh, oh, sorry. No, no, no. I was reading about my number four. My number three is the Ghostbusters RPG. Yes. I just think it would be fun. I think it'd be great to mix a little bit of light sci-fi, a little bit of light horror and some comedy in the right group, you know, you know uh, with the right we, story. It'd be great. We need this for next, next guild con. Next guild con. We should run Ghostbusters. All right. Yeah. Cool. I mean, that's what guild con's for, right? Yeah. It's running some of these like off the wall things that we'd never play yeah 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 yeah. you know you just gotta plunk down 20 bucks for a book that's no big deal i mean i did that for cthulhu and we had a great time yeah yeah certainly so every time i see ghostbusters come up in the context of gaming i think of that time that we uh we test ran it at that first gen con and the game was so like politically incorrect oh the rpg or the board game the board game game. oh (laughs) 
Oh, I played <laughs> the board awesome. game with Nate and his buddy Adam. Yeah. I think they it was the production version. I don't remember it being politically incorrect. It's like they had all um the players like everyone had like a special ability or something. Uh-huh. And the and the one we we tested like it was all like super like sexist cliche like anyone who was a female like their special ability had something to do with like washing dishes Ugh. or like like the wow. uh, what was the what was the uh, what was the black guy on the Ghostbusters team Ernie? What was his name yeah Ernie like Hudson. his special ability yeah, his special ability Winston. was basketball <laughs> it was like the whole game like every single thing about it was stuff like that and I, and even the guy who was play testing it who was like I'm I'm sorry about I'm this. sorry I'm sorry I, I honestly if, I was like, "What? What is this doing here?" <laughs> now that's the board game. Who made that? Was that yeah. Simon? I don't. I don't know. No, I, I, don't I don't think, think so. that's the one that came out. Okay. Because oh, they, I, they did, I remember looking a, at it, and it, it looked drastically different when it actually there like, was went a to Ghostbusters print. board game that felt a lot like Zombicide. Trust me, uh, or Zombie, whatever, whatever the one you're. You know, you're in a little paper car. Sometimes you're walking down yeah, the street. Uh-huh. The that ghosts are coming from nowhere. Uh, let's that was see. it. Um, is it Ghostbusters the board game 2015? Yeah, that would have been the one. Uh, I don't remember. There's also Ghostbusters the board game two that came out in 2017. Yeah, I I, I so. remember playing it and not. I if it was oh if, it if totally it was looks sexist, like Zombicide. If it was sexist racist, I I wouldn't I didn't remember it. Um, because maybe they they took that feedback and cleaned the things up. I think they did because it uh we uh, tested it in 2014 and it was probably the 2015 one that got released. Okay, and they fixed it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, okay. It's got a six point five on Board Game Geek. I'm talking yeah. about the RPG. Now, the 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 board the board game certainly is fun, but it inherited a lot from Zombicide. You're being overwhelmed by the number yep. of ghosts. Yeah, like you're being overwhelmed by the number of zombies. But I think in an RPG, you get something a little bit more story based, and that's kind of the fun of the original Ghostbusters. Was what were the antics and weird things they got into? All yeah. right, that was my number three. All right, Jay, number four. Number four. Uh, okay, what was my number four? Oh, Space Alert. I have <laughs> always wanted to play Space Alert. This is the game where you guys sit down, you are members of a crew of a of a ship, and you're going out for a mission, and the game is played with a CD. Yes, I played you this. Put a C- yeah, you put it in a you CD in a player, and you pick, I think, a random track on there, and it has a 10-minute thing and it gives you various like things that have gone wrong with the ship and and everything so it's 10 real-time minutes on the cd yep. track that you have to play the game and try to keep the ship alive and take on roles and i've always wanted to play it so and good. Just, it looks you know, awesome it just looks like a fun like you know like hopefully the you know the the alarms are firing and everything's yeah. going that's what i'm hoping for it's crazy so, yeah, I, I, so this is like up. the pre-app game before apps. Yes, CD. Yeah. CD, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I wonder if it has an app now instead of a CD. Uh, Somebody On Board Game Geek, it does not say it. It oh, says okay. use a CD. Yeah. Um, and it has a 7.4 out of 10. So yeah, no, pretty, I, pretty well rated. I played that at uh, KublaCon in 2006 with Nate and his buddy Adam and that was one of the best games I played the whole that whole weekend. I, I liked it. Uh, you can get it for $24 on Geek Market. Yeah. Oh. Looks like there's some aftermarket apps. Geek Market. What apps, is Geek but, Market? Yeah. Well, no, sorry. I think that's just like 
Uh, oh, I think it's from Board Game Geeks. Like, oh, oh, it's like, it's like a Board Game Geeks version of uh, like uh, Craigslist. Oh, okay, like an. So eBay. they have their own. Yeah, they have their own thing where you can buy it. Yeah. So. Oh, space alert! I had forgotten the Someday. name of the game. Someday. It's a great game. Yep. Thumbs up. We should totally do that. Uh, all right, my number four game uh, comes from Simon. Um, it is Rising Sun. I have been tr- uh, dying yes. to get a game of this in, and it seems like every time your buddy Jason, who had it, was coming down to uh, GuildCon with it, either uh, got sick or couldn't make it because of work or whatever. Yeah. Um, I tried to get into a game of it at Gen Con, but it was like the first year that it was out, so like those were all sold out. Um, and I had to settle for Zombie Side Black Plague, which was totally fun, and I enjoyed it. But I wish I could have played Rising Sun. Um, and uh, yeah, I've just been I've just been trying to get this game. I love the models in those. The that. models like, are that, legit. They are so good looking, and like those are ones that I would take my time to paint. Yeah. And really like really because they they look really good. It's a fun so. game. I I would say that um, I played it once. I remember re- being really pleased with the combat mechanic uh-huh. um, uh, and the money mechanic, the currency mechanic. Like when yeah. you when you go uh, when you decide to have a confrontation with the player, you put up like a blind, and then you bet you bet your a certain amount of money behind that blind, but your opponent can't see how much you're betting. Uh, but other players that uh, it allows alliances, so other players can decide to contribute to your money pool behind that blind. Um, uh. I don't know if they contribute behind them. They might contribute up front, and and then and then you know at some point it's kind of like a it's a um, push your bets kind of a game, you know. Yeah. And then once the betting's done, you look to see who put the most in. But I think what was cool is that whoever loses gets the remaining amount of money, so it kind of keeps you in the game. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, a little bit, but it did it did definitely it was definitely a kind of like a territory control game where you're kind of pushing yourself along the territories, and it had a good time track that uh, like certain things events were popping along the track uh, that were cool. It was a fun game. I would say it wasn't yeah. like a super like exciting intense game, but it yeah. was one. It was definitely like a strategy. Okay, what am I gonna? I'm gonna plan to set myself up for three moves from now when that time track triggers this like that yeah. kind of stuff so i i imagine like how do you say this like f- um feel wise you know like it probably feels a lot like the blood rage game that they came out with yeah you i've know? never played that game but yeah blood rage is a great game um so add that one to your list yep. um and uh you know what i mean like there's there's kind of different clans different ways to win like that kind of thing um but uh yeah i've always wanted to try it so it's on the list of course cool so all right dan you're number four all those minis are crazy for rising sun by the way they're really good yeah they're really good i can't get over i can't get over it they're just so interesting sorry um i want to play just any old steampunk rpg um haven't done it yet i mean I had friends who played Space 1889 back in the mid 90s and that was the original that was the original steampunk game because it was like those guys with the big white mustaches and the the those you know the 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 khaki fatigues and the Mauser rifles going to Mars you know um that was original steampunk but I'm not set on any system I just 
I think it's a genre. And I think when we, when we first talked about this show, we said, okay, well maybe we should talk about genres we haven't tried yet. And then we refined it down to games that we haven't, yeah. haven't tried yet. And I've yet to sit down and play a legit steampunk steampunk RPG. Now I've played other RPGs that have that had steampunky elements, but steampunk was not like the main thrust of the is there, of the sci-fi. Is there a good steampunk? I mean, I guess you could say Shadowrun. No, is, I don't know. That's not steampunk. No, that's uh, cyberpunk. That's cyberpunk. That's cyberpunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. good call. Good call. Yeah. Good call. Steampunky? Ugh, I don't know. Is there any out there? Uh, there's, there's got to of... be like twenty of them. But I know all, what's out there's there. There's different levels of great. You know what one I haven't played yet? That's a steampunky one. Benjamin Franklin Time Travel. <laughs> That's not steampunk. <laughs> no, what I'm talking about is Dang like it. <laughs> dirigible. I thought it was, and yeah. you know, uh, uh, you know, sci-fi stuff that is is grounded in a mechanical reality. Yeah. Not a ma- so, not through magic, not through right. something else. It's like we have harnessed steam to make giant airships and, yeah, yeah, and go yeah. to war. So, like you know, a good setting for this is I don't know if you guys ever read the Golden Compass books or anything mm-hmm. like that or seen mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a series of on HBO with the Golden Compass uh, series. Anyway, um, that's like the perfect setting for it, right? Which is like... Like you said, the dirigibles—it's all mechanical type stuff, it, you, know? you know. Mechanical technology. Yeah, it's that, like uh, if science had advanced in that era through non-electricity means, right? Right. And that's kind of the thrust of it. And so, I—I I, I just think it's kind of this corner of sci-fi that you know people get dressed up in steampunk cosplay all the time, but um, never actually sat down and, and played a good RPG that's steampunk. So, I'll be I don't know, I don't know of any that are out there that that come to mind. I think I could get an RPG geek and find like twenty, but whether or not that has are a, they good? <laughs> precisely, precisely. So, yeah. Yeah. right, yeah. right. All right, that's my number four. All right, Jason, number five. Number five is a protocol story role playing game. So, protocol is a game system that is uh, meant to be played with casual RPGers that are more uh-huh. story focused. Uh-huh. Uh, the whole thing is played with a deck of actual face cards. You were telling me about this before. Yep. So I have I have one um, of I have a story that we could go through if we wanted to have like a couples night or something. And basically, what happens is, uh, you know, I'm not going to describe the whole thing, but the mechanic is such that the whole thing is about putting you in a dramatic situation that forces you to role play. Yeah. So you describe, and together you guys tell the story, right? So you'll describe a scene, and usually the when you're playing, you play against, you know, everybody plays, so there's not like a GM. You play against, a, a, you know, a story, and it presents a scene, and then you all have to draw, like, car- like two cards from the deck. And the first card, if it's, like, based on the suit of the card, it describes how your character is supposed to respond or feel in the scenario. And then you, the second card, based on what, you know, the color of the card... Um, it gives you something else like you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to act like mischievously, um, uh, you know, curious or something like that. I got you. And, and so you get these two things that then force you to interact in this way for this tiny little encounter. And as you're playing, depending on how you act the at the end of the scene, I think players can like assign points to each other. And then whoever has the most points can like 
change a key feature of the next scene. And you go through like, you know, several, I think, scenes and, and acts and stuff to play out the story. So it seems like it could be a really fun, like kind of couples party game okay. for maybe like, you know, people the who aren't RPGs. super, yeah, who aren't super into like maybe rolling dice, but more just having yeah. a fun, like around the table kind of thing. So I, I, I have one. Uh, I bought uh, I bought a story that I thought could go through. I bought it probably like five years ago now, actually. Um, it's a, I think the system first came out in like 2015, but, uh, it's one I wanted to play for a long time and I've just never kind of gotten to it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Action table is the mechanic cards, description based GM list. Wow. It, that sounds like, you know, a pretty cool, unique set of stuff to do in a, in an yeah. evening. I'm up for it. Cool. Yeah, very cool. Invite me over. Uh, let's see. My number five is Frostgrave. Frostgrave. Um, yeah. So Frostgrave is a minis game, uh, but it's RPG heavy. Okay. So um, you have these stories that you buy, and they're like a dollar ninety nine or something like that. And I think that the, I think that the the core book with the rules in it are is like maybe ten dollars, twenty dollars, something like that. Like it's it's not expensive. Um, but it is a agnostic minis game. So you can bring mm-hmm. any minis that you want for this, right? So you have your heroes and you, ha- and you'll like play against, uh, you know, wargs, which are like the wolf men, you know, you'll play mm-hmm. against other like goat men or something like that. And you can use whatever you want, you know, to represent those things. And, um, so there, it, there is like a minis skirmish game feel about it, but there's a heavy RPG element behind it. So it's even more narrative than our, our like Warcry narrative games. I mean, the Warcry narrative games that we play at, at GuildCon are really just like, I've, I've put loose string of text together to kind of, you know, get us from point A to point B. But these ones are really like RPG, and then the battle that you do determines the outcome of the story that you're playing. And there are some that are kind of more campaigns, or there are some that are like one-off scenarios that you can play. Um, and you can bring whatever terrain you want to the table. Mm. Um, how does that so, how does that line up to like a battle stations? Um, I think that I mean with battle stations you have your board that you're mm-hmm. using right and in that yeah. so with this one you can kind of set it up however you want. Oh, I okay, believe. cool. You know, so you just kind of throw out a bunch of terrain on a table, and then you kind of read about what's going on, and then you kind of maybe set up like according to the narrative like okay you're coming from the east and you know you get surrounded so you'll put you'll set up the minis according to um, how you play it. And and then you'll you follow the rules on you know like your characters and things like that on what you do rolling dice uh, play play out the thing and then you've got your story that finishes it you know um, takes it out so uh, very narrative heavy uh, I was always kind of interested by it I bought two boxes of um, sorry I bought one box of frost actually dedicated frost grave miniatures oh, so wow. they came out with a couple boxes of them and they're like little cultist marauders you know what huh. i mean like they've got like little hoods over their heads and chains and crossbows and things like that so um i got it really for like our uh uh shout of the demon lord game uh never i had i did never put them together until recently so never really used them in there but i i plan to use some of them in some uh war cry for chaos marauders they have a, a star grave for yeah. your sci-fi minis 
There you go. Nice. There you go. That's interesting. So, and if you look at the missions, I think like I think like this, like there's, it, it's like any RPG, right? Like especially like Shadow of the Demon Lord, where you're like your campaign, your well, it's a one shot, and I think it's like a dollar ninety nine for the yeah. adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so and you could get a, I think a longer campaign that's maybe ten dollars, or something like that. But it looks like um, the hardcover rules. I'm in Stargrave right now. That's twenty eight bucks. Yeah. And for Frostgrave Second Edition, that is twenty four bucks. Yeah. So not too shabby. And if the, yeah, if the I think, adventures I think are it's cheap fun. and it's mini based and it's combat heavy, that sounds like a good yep. fun. And sometimes with these combat games, like you said, getting from point A to point B, just hack and slash killing each other is less fun than having a point to it. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So I love one ninety nine things. It's like you know, it's it's less than. It's less than a Pepsi in an airport. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's three Pepsi. You know? and, or, sorry, and that three could, for one Pepsi. Yeah. You're right. And that could be a night of gaming for you and four buddies. That's you right. Know? And it's a lot of fun. So, uh, all right, Dan, number five for you. I've never played Axis and Allies. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> really? I've never played it. That's hilarious. Dude, it's, never it, played it's, it. Yeah, man. It's like me and Catan. Like, I didn't play Catan yeah. until, like, two years ago because everyone was like, oh, let's play something else. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like Axis and Allies a lot. Um, my only issue with the game is that you get about three or four hours in, maybe a little bit further, and the writing is on the wall. Like, everybody knows yeah. what's going to happen, but it is the slowest moving train wreck <laughs> to get to the end. And you'll always play with somebody who's like, no, we are going to finish this because there could be holding out for a miracle, you know, and you're like, Dude, it's it's just not gonna happen. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. see, that's my my problem with Axes and Allies too. Is no matter how hard you try, that game will take eight hours. Yeah, it's like, true. There is no only, way to speed the game up. Even it, and you know why though? It's because one person goes at a time. Yep. One person does their entire turn, planning what what you know what things they have to buy. You know, actually buying the things, uh, you know, doing their research technology, deploying their things, having the things, re you know, redeploying their things afterwards. That whole turn easily takes half an hour, yeah. right, for one person to do it. And so that whole time, everybody else is just staring at them. Like, what are you doing? Well, I, so, it came to my the top of my mind because I found out a, a, a buddy who we, we know through, you know, uh, church – not a gamer at all. He's like, yeah, I've bought every version of Axis and Allies. <laughs> I'm wow. like, what? You game? He's like, no, I play Axis and Allies. I'm like, well, when are we playing? And when are you going to invite me? I've never yeah. played. You could totally kill me. So our buddy John has uh, the uh, Europe and Pacific version. I think it's like the 50th yeah. anniversary of it or something yeah. like that. And that's a huge board yeah. that you can play. And like going. that game, that game will take 24 hours to play. And he's like, guys, I know it's a big ask, but I want to dedicate a weekend to this. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, but you know, like hour four, the writing's going to be on the wall. And he's like, no, we're playing for 24, 24 hours. I know. I know. <laughs> Like, John listens to the like, show. Hi, John. We love you. Like Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor's been gone for a while, dude. So, I don't know. It's a, it is a little bit more intricate um, with the with bigger boards because there's like a lot more spaces and and more things you can do. But still, though, like I th it's just a it's a long game. I and don't get me wrong. It's I a spent, fun game if that's I you know if you're into it. I spent countless hours playing this game on the computer. Yeah. 
yeah. You know, because there was an easy computer game to oh, play. Man, and... I couldn't play it on the computer. I it's like it would it would go so fast. It'd be like, all right, it's my turn. I take twenty minutes to do my turn. The computer's turn. Turn go. Turn go. Turn go. Turn go. Turn go. I'm like, wait, I don't even know what changed on the map. I know. It's so true. Like something happened in like South America. You're like, what? What happened? What happened down there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good times. That's it. That's my number five. All right, awesome. Jason, your number six. Last one. Number six. My last one is Troika. This is a uh, tabletop RPG. It's an I will say it's an indie RPG and it's got a very like eclectic art theme to it. Um, I will just read their description of their RPG, right? So it's a uh, a science fantasy RPG in which players travel by eldritch portal and non-Euclidean labyrinth and golden sailed barge between the uncountable crystal spheres strung delicately across the humpback sky. Oh. So this, this, I've I've had this uh, the PDF of this for a while, and all of the like, you know, there's like thirty or forty different player classes you can play in it. It seems like it's a simple mechanic. Um, it reminds me of. And I haven't played it, obviously. That's our list here. So I could be wrong. But when I look at the art and I read through like the, the, the PDF, it reminds me of an RPG that I'd be playing that would be like Time Bandits, the movie mm, from the 80s. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. right on. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I'm cool. like, this seems like totally just like quirky and like, you know, kind of like a mix of like maybe Monty Python slash you know, uh, uh, crawl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, just right. And it just seems like it would be totally goofy and fun to play. Right on. Never heard of it till just now. That's fascinating. Yeah. I, I think I've seen it on bundle of holding a few times. Uh, yeah, probably that might be you where know, I got it actually. Like these, these indie games you'll see pop up like, uh, Delta green and, and, uh, uh, the Dresden files and all that stuff, you know, you'll see, you'll see those pop yeah. up on a uh, bundle of holding more often than say like a Warhammer, you know, IPO thing or, you know, anyway, yeah. or Cthulhu or something like that. Uh, okay. My number six is kingdom death. Yep. I've wanted to try this one for a while. This is a, this is a definite RPG. That's got a lot of miniatures in it. Um, definite not safe for work miniatures in it um and in fact like the first minis that you start playing out with are pretty cool but then like it starts to get into the point where you're like whoa the fanboys had a lot of fun sculpting these ones yeah you know so but yeah yeah they had some good reference material for this one (laughs) right (laughs) so uh what what is it like uh what it's like based off of like what is it? Hentai? Henta? Oh, no, no, it doesn't. No. It doesn't go. I wouldn't say it goes that bad. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know, dude. Hentai. I don't know. Yeah, yeah hentai. I don't know, dude. Uh, it's I not. Mean, I've seen it, some yeah. of those models. It's not coming up in either board game geek or RPG geek. <laughs> oh, it should be in board game geek. I uh, just did a search King, for it. Kingdom Death. Kingdom Death. Oh, yeah. It was like. BGG. It's not. Um, oh. Okay. Yeah. I, Kingdom got, Death Monster. I think I, oh it's Kingdom Death colon monster okay that's that's what just yeah. dude just go to their main web web page kingdomdeath.com and you can see well these guys are not afraid to express <laughs> their <laughs> boundaries they have an artistic that are none play. oh there you that go. are none there you go. yep right at the beginning right. wake up I'm awake 
Yep, and then the next so, one. Whee! So they've got like a lot of expansions for it too. Um, uh, this is a game that at Gen Con was a 24-hour experience. No. Where they were, yes, they were running it 24 straight hours, and um, you could hop in and out of sessions. You know what I mean? So they would yeah. do like two-hour sessions or something like that. So, And basically where the last group left off, you would pick right back up and keep going. So, so you could sign is... up for all of them, or you could yeah. just sign up for the first four hours or whatever, you know? So... This was one that I want to play too. Obviously, the minis are very enticing, and I don't mean that in in that other way. I just mean they are incredibly well sculpted. Oh yes. Uh, but I'm a little leery because uh, we do have a friend that had that played this for a while regularly, uh-huh. and he's he walked away from that, never really saying he enjoyed the mechanics of the game. This right. is Jim, our friend yep, Jim. He yep, never yep, really yep. had like a, oh, I had a Kingdom, Kingdom Death experience. It was amazing. He's always like, yeah, I played Kingdom Death today. And it like it never came off like he really enjoyed the mechanics of the system. Yeah. And so part of me is like, I don't, I don't know, man. Because, I mean, it's a huge investment. This is not a cheap game. Pinups of it's Death is on the not website. Not a cheap game. Uh, let's see. The Pinups of Death. This is like $125. Uh, yeah, let's see. The actual mo- Kingdom Death Monster 1.6 was $400. Yeah, what? it is not a cheap game. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at yeah. the components are intense. I mean, as far as looks like they've got beautiful quality pieces, except for it looks like they've got some. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Be- Stop okay. it. <laughs> Stop it! They've got. Oh, like, whoa! Looking, yeah, careful when you scroll. The game components. I'm in the. I'm in. I'm not on. Yeah. I'm, I, it looks like except except for the, the the pogs. Everything else looks pretty fantastic that goes with the cups of the game. As far as so build the original quality. the original project on Kickstarter. Are you ready for this? Raised twelve million three hundred ninety three thousand one hundred forty dollars. On a pledged one hundred thousand dollar goal, twelve million dollars. Well, what can you so say about you that? can uh, pre-order you can pre-order Kingdom Death Monster one point six core game for three hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, so I'm kind of I'm gonna tap out, you know, because that's a lot for that uh, kind of money. I mean, when you're talking about the difference between getting like an Xbox Series X. Or yeah. playing a board game, you better it better be the type of board game that you can ride into the sunset for yeah, for three right. years straight and never get sick of it. And there is a 2020. Get this, there's a 2020 new expansion bundle. So this came out in 2020, and it has the campaigns of death. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 different expansions, right? Mm-hmm. And and the story of Kingdom Death is that, like, you're wanderers. You end up settling in, a, like, a town, you know, or, or, like, founding a city. And as you grow your city, you send out your your people to go do these missions, right? And then you go do the missions, they come back, and they gain experience. If they go out and die, they're dead. They're not in your, your reservoir of people that you can use anymore, you know? And so... Um, you kind of have this rotating cast of heroes that goes out and plays, right? 
Um, and so all of these expansions are essentially new missions that you can unlock for your city to go out and, you know, grow, grow your city type of thing. Um, there's, what did I count? Like 12, uh, maybe 20 missions here that the expansion bundle is $1,200. Yeah. 16, $1,200 for, for a long time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think about that. So there's that's, that's a, really a expensive premium here for the sexy aspect. I mean, if this is, I mean, I don't want to be derogatory here, but it's, a minis game it's an rpg game however you know if it has a really intense story and has tna i know this was on your list why am i there's a whole lot of booty in this why am i down it's on your list not on mine but i think that's part of the (laughs) that's part of the milieu right that you you're paying for that kind of premium yeah i mean this is it markets itself as a survival horror game type of thing an adult you know, it's survivor horror game with lots of TNA. Yes. Yeah, we should gotta stop. We gotta look. It's on Justin's list. I know. We're not gonna. <laughs> that's right. If, if Dan, that's what he's into, Dan, it's man, okay. Don't feel bad. Don't it's feel bad. It's okay, man. We had another buddy play it. It's it's all good. <laughs> Whatever. So so I've uh, and I'll and I'll say this. Um, you know, a lot of these minis are really amazing. Um, some of them are uh, again a little risque, but the um. The the thing that I really wanted to try was this mechanic of like you you're out with your like you survive these encounters and you found your city and then you kind of are it's almost like a West Marches D and D campaign right. but with miniatures yeah, as well yeah. you know what I mean and so like that that is the part that really intrigued me I, I want to play it at least once to see like how are the mechanics of this like how does it work you know because that sounds really interesting hmm. so. And anyway. they have a card system that goes into it and terrain yep. cards. Yep. It, 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 there's probably a lot of depth in there. It's just something that unless you have somebody who wants to drop 400 bucks, you're just not going to randomly play. Exactly. And so that's why I had always tried to get in on it at Gen Con, at least to play it for like two hours or something like that. And man, that that is one of those games that if you're not in the first line, like in the first queue, like it'll be snatched up super fast. Mm-hmm. So anyway... Uh, all right, Dan, you're you're the last one. I used to take us home. I used to want to play Marvel Crisis Protocol, but I, now <laughs> I really don't. Because I hope Atomic Mass Games dies a long, slow death. I'm just totally irritated by their existence. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll try out their game. I mean, it's not a rant against Asmodee, but you know, you take uh, some really great properties, some really great business lines. Some fanta- a fantastic miniatures game that's made so much money for one company and then give it to a rinky-dink company that's produced one game of marginal value and, and, and you're surprised that nothing magical happens. So I'm, not, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm anti-Marvel Crisis Protocol. There was a time, though, where I was pricing out getting into the core and trying to figure that game out and seeing what I, I liked about it. I think I was probably on a Marvel high from watching one of the films. Well, I've heard a lot of good things about that game. I've heard it is one of the better skirmish games that's out there. And um, they've come out with a bunch of expansion stuff. I think like Spider-Man and Doc Ock recently came out. I could be wrong about that. But, um, you know, so like there's plenty of like expansion characters and missions to draw from in the Marvel Universe. I mean, duh, right? Yeah. Um, 
and some of the terrain is pretty awesome that you get in the box and uh you know like the figures are not terrible to paint like they're pretty easy mm-hmm. uh, there's some great videos out there by sarastro who was a fantastic star wars painter by the mm-hmm. way um and uh, anyway, he, so he did uh, he did Mar- Marvel Crest Protocol as well, and it looks like a great fun game. I've heard great things about it, and but I have I have not played it myself. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so. I put that on my list of things that I almost wanted to play, but no, I just don't. So what we need to do is just make sure that we carve out enough time to try some of these new games. Because uh, sometimes we get in the ruts of running our campaigns and, you know, playing playing other games and stuff like that. There's just, there's not enough time to play all the games, obviously. But, you know, I, I've often thought, like, I need to make sure that I'm saving enough time for newer games, too. Because, like, I mean, it doesn't have to be new, new games, but newer games to me, you know, mm-hmm. just, to, just to try them out as well. Yeah, 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 so. absolutely. I mean, um there is something satisfying about long campaigns because you get to build up characters and you have longer stories and and you get character growth and development. The con side of that is is that it tends to choke a lot of the air out from other things that we could be doing yep. when, when our time is so limited. Yep, yep, definitely. But alas, we will continue on with all of our RPGs and continue on with trying all of these new games at one point or another. But thank you, everyone, for listening to our show. We're glad we're back. I feel like I keep saying that every episode. But, uh, <laughs> you know, this is the, hopefully we get this uh, episode out to you rather quickly so you can try some of these games yourself. So thanks for listening to us. Uh, have a great evening, everybody. Bye. All right. See ya.